But I'm going to tell you what, if Pikachu was on that dollar coin, I think it would have done way better <laughs> than George Washington. <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, I would have been like, oh, absolutely, give me a couple of these chews. I'm going to go down to the vending uh, machine. <laughs> I can't wait until uh, millennials get to the age where they can, you know, start uh, influencing what's on the currency for real, for real. And yeah. then we're just going to be like, get all these old white men out of here. No, get I want, Pikachu, I want here. Pikachu on here. Yeah. If Miku is not on the $100 bill oh by the year 2050, I'm going to... Did you know that Miku invented the $100? One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Shonen Protagonist, the podcast that puts a little more Ganbaru into your life. Episode 1, Keep On Living On, is about the story of the unlikely success of the Pokemon franchise, and what we can get out of it in our own life. Okay, it's recording, so I don't care anymore. (laughs) Like, like you gotta not care because no. if, because the minute that you not that you don't care is when your true wings will shine. <laughs> My wings. I don't know where I'm going with that. You need more of the margarita. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so, why did we start this podcast? Why did you? What? Why did you say yes to the podcast out of curiosity? Honestly, like like 100 honestly, it was a combination of bored and also I feel like. I've listened to a lot of podcasts that were mediocre and I feel like I can, <laughs> I feel like I, I have that weird, like fighting spirit type, uh, like, Oh, I, I could, I could do that. I could, I could make a mediocre podcast. Absolutely. 100%. And this margarita is going to help. And, and, and so yeah. literally like, I've always liked to talk about anime and I've always liked to talk about anime to like a group of people. So I feel like a podcast is a good way to do that because you sort of have like hostages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, but like they can leave it at you, time. They can leave. <laughs> they can leave. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I suppose in marketing terms, you would call that a captive audience. I wanted to start a podcast for a very long time, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the focus or like the idea or the main core concept to work off of. So I... Oh, so that's what I did. Yeah. Literally, you were like, here, here's a core concept. Do you want to start a podcast with me? And I went, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. This is on a silver platter, huh? (laughs) Well, welcome. (laughs) So my, uh, what did you call it? My, my idea? My core concept, yes. Yes, a core concept and like a, a direction to start barreling off into the woods too. Okay, basically. Yes. So my core concept, why did I start this podcast? I've had the idea for this podcast for a long time, a couple years at least. I wanted to do a podcast that was inspirational in the way that anime inspired me. And hopefully contribute to kind of that cycle of inspiration that keeps not only the media cycle going, but people going and, you know, gives people stories to inspire them and make them happy. So 
first of all, we're huge nerds. Mm-hmm. And we personally wanted to make a podcast. Um, I know I'm speaking for you here, but I'm pretty sure you agree with me. No, I definitely do because <laughs> I would interrupt you and tell you, no, I don't agree with that. that you know what? <laughs> Good for you. That's a healthy boundary. <laughs> but So we will express ourselves without being ashamed of it. At least, you know, anime used to be more of a fringe thing and now it's much more popular but there was a point in time when if you liked anime you are not necessarily the coolest kid at school sometimes you were the only kid at school who liked sometimes it. you were the only kid at school or there were like two other kids and you clung to them for dear life like a life raft in, yep, in a stormy that's, sea that's what i did y'all <laughs> So, anime is a huge part of our lives. We wouldn't have met without it. Anime has helped me so dramatically in my own life, gotten me through hard times, and I thought that having a platform to talk about the empowerment that people have gotten from anime had the potential to be something really special. In addition, I feel like there aren't enough women who are in their 30s or older that are out there talking about their fandom experiences and their interpretations of media specifically. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of like YouTubers and video essayists, but um, a lot of them tend to be kind of younger or different spheres, more Western, not necessarily anime oriented, at least the ones that I can think of off of the top of my head. A lot of the more popular ones tend to have a larger reach, I would say. Yeah, so we don't want to take away from any of those women and their platforms because there are a lot of amazing women content creators out there who are in their 30s and older and they definitely deserve to be acknowledged. But I think that there's not enough of us and there should be more of us going back to the the things that we enjoy as adults. So shout out to all of the amazing women producers and voice actors and writers and directors and all the things in between above and below the line that give us all of these shows and games that we love. You guys are awesome. And I hope that the generations that you inspire look back fondly on the things that you made. There's um, a huge stigma about aging out of fandom, I think, or kind of a stigma around being an older person in a fandom crowd, or like you have to act like you're a fandom mom, or there's like, you have to fill a role rather than just being a consumer, where I think in a male-dominated space, you can just passively consume and no one really treats you weird about it. But like Dave's cosplay from accounting, yeah, is so one hundred percent like totally a Bradford like Mark. <laughs> so I guess that the point is, hopefully, we can validate the experiences of not only women fans but older women fans. I say older, but we're we're still young. I think that fandom and the things that we enjoy and the media that we consume, you can only appreciate it more the older you get. Like as an adult. Yeah, the more you experience life and everything, it becomes such a joy um, and also uh, a great escape in the fucked up world that we (laughs) live in. And, you know, obviously use it as a healthy coping mechanism. Don't lose your grip on reality, but... It can be something that helps get you through the harsh reality by understanding the message of the material and applying that to a real life situation that's very powerful. So I thought that it would be special to maybe lead that by example and go out and do something because I was inspired to do it. And hopefully people get their own inspiration out of it. 
So go ahead and introduce yourself, Alexa. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So I'm Alexa, AKA Atomic. If you make fun of me for my name, I'll kill you. Uh, <laughs> she will. She will. You can't see her, but um, she's, she's really tall <laughs> and she can beat you up. There's no question. God. So <laughs> I go by many different names on the internet. Yay for anonymity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have been very deep into anime since I was about nine or 10 years old. Pokemon obviously was probably my first like experience, but I was into anime when Saturday morning cartoons were running, when Toonami was going kind of in like the first like large rise, tiny one shelf in a Barnes and Noble to like an entire aisle. I got to watch that go. Right. And, and through that journey, anime has both shaped my tastes and interests. It's giving me differing hobbies, learning Japanese, literally being an artist. I wouldn't be here if not for my horrible roots, like starting <laughs> on DeviantArt of all places. So thank you, anime and various other hobbies besides, but uh, I owe who I am as a person to anime and manga and just general, like the cultural zeitgeist from Japan. I feel like I can talk well about it considering I've donated two thirds of my life to it. I'm Tavrita, AKA Tanya. Either one is great. I also was very heavily influenced by anime growing up, especially just comics in general. Uh, I learned how to read because my dad gave me his old Calvin and Hobbes books. So basically since the time that I learned how to read, I was assigning a visual narrative to it. And I've always been in love with visually telling stories and emotionally resonating with that. As I grew older, I kind of lost my way a little bit and it took me some time to figure out what I was going to do with my life. But I can say that basically Full Metal Alchemist, I ended up watching it one summer and it inspired me to completely change my life and learned how to be happy again, which is something that if you have gone for a long amount of time not feeling happy, you just cherish it so much and you want to share it, that joy and that empowerment. So that also, I guess, ties into me as a person slash wanting to start this podcast. I think that the, the important thing is that we can talk about ourselves through the lens of how works have, have affected us because that's how I need to do things to identify with other people. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that like info dumping about yourself is uh, I think that having context through media yes literacy can also help people understand us a little bit more than like a dating profile <laughs> it's so true um it's definitely how i've met uh all of my previous well at least since i got into anime that's how i met all my previous bows but that's another episode <laughs> Um, but what you said about context is really good because especially you providing the more historical side of things. Um, I do think that, you know, the thing about art is you can't really, you know, define what art is going to mean to the individual. Mm -hmm. But art is subjective. Art is subjective. And adding the historical context will help me in talking about analyzing it. So my analyses are usually going to be within the historical context of the anime of the context of the life of the mangaka or the director, producers, whoever worked on it. So definitely adding the context through the history also helps us kind of appreciate the work and dedication that goes into bringing us the media that we just consume like 
animals nowadays, yeah. but we now we take it for granted. So this podcast is meant to inspire, hopefully does inspire some people to kind of search themselves, find the things that bring them joy or unleash the inner protagonist in their own life. Even if it reaches one person, that would be great. I wanted to also kind of get into our logo, which was made by the incredible, beautiful, amazing human being, Jules Reisling. We love you so much, Queen. Thank you for making us not have to do graphic design. But also just being an absolutely amazing human being, I would take a bullet for you. I'm sure I'm speaking for Alexa here. No, obviously, yes. (laughs) Anyway... We went back and forth about the logo a little bit because I knew that early on I really wanted to have the phrase Ganbaru be the cornerstone of the meaning, going back to like the inspiration. And I wanted to talk about in this first episode, kind of talk about the meaning of the word and more about how it will apply to this podcast in future episodes and hopefully how it applies to you the two people that will listen to (laughs) just kidding (laughs) it's gonna definitely be at least five (laughs) okay you know what i really need to stop being so pessimistic no at least five no no (laughs) anyway um i wanted to talk about the etymology of the word like it's really fascinating i ended up finding this website called tofugu they do a podcast as well so you can check out their podcast especially if you want to learn japanese it's a great way to beef up on using the proper context for things. There is like, I mean, pages and pages about this word and the uh, origins of this word, but we're gonna use basically the most simple definition um, translated to English because there really isn't- A direct translation. There isn't a direct translation, which is pretty common. Japanese is a very specific language. I would say they have a lot more specific descriptors of things Mm -hmm. versus in English, there's like one word that can mean a bunch of things, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yes. So anyway, I'm gonna read a little excerpt from their website about it and it's tofugu.com thank you guys for having that information for me just a google search away helps me out a lot this was written by mami suzuki early in your japanese language journey you will run into the word ganbaru it's everywhere in japanese learning material and native media and japanese people use it a lot Yet, despite its ubiquity, there's no direct English translation for ganbaru, at least not one that encapsulates all of the different meanings and subtle nuances that come with the word. The popular online JE dictionary, jisho.org, translates ganbaru as to persevere, to persist, to keep at it, to hang on, to hold out, to do one's best. So, a lot of different stuff. Uh, The simplest way to define ganbaru is to persevere. And if you are stretching your stubbornness, you could say you're joining us to persevere and stick with it. So basically the two roots of the word are stubborn and to stretch. Very interesting. The most common way to translate it is do your best slash try your best. Do your best is definitely the most basic conceptual translation of ganbaru. So there are a lot of uh, different ways to use the word, but for us, oh, we want it to mean do your best or even do more than your best. So be tenacious in your own life and kind of take control and again, kind of be your own hero. So I wanted to talk more about that because I wanted to keep the kanji for the logo 
even though the romanization probably would make it more accessible. And I don't want to say that, you know, I'm co-opting any kind of like Japanese aesthetic. I really wanted people to know the meaning of the word and to see it as it is. So that was my thinking. And again, thank you, Jules, for bringing our logo to life. I hope that a lot of people find that inner perseverance to do your best or do more than your best. Hopefully this podcast just gets you like super hype and inspired. So we'll see. Or at the very least makes you think. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Makes you think. (laughs) So with that, we're going to move on to our actual discussion. 20 minutes in. Look at us. Let me set the scene for you. The year is 1997. You're sitting in your room playing your latest Nintendo 64 game. And then all of a sudden your bro comes in holding a Game Boy and you're like, what the hell is that? And then he shows you this game. What's the game that he shows you? Star Fox. Literally, fuck you. (laughs) Anyway, our topic is Pokemon, not Star Fox. (laughs) You are not yes-anding me. (laughs) This was improv and you failed. You gave me a no. (laughs) Metaphorically. Listen, okay, you know, yes-and is important for improv, but you know what no is important for? The fun factor. No, fuck you. (laughs) See? I'm not having fun. Fuck you. (laughs) anyway so yeah we're gonna be talking about pokemon today hopefully uh you learn a few things about the series that you didn't know so basically the economist named this franchise japan's most successful export which i think is possibly true so in case you've been under a rock pokemon Japanese for Pocket Monsters, of course, uh, most people know that one, is a Nintendo franchise created in 1995 by Satoshi Tajiri. Tajiri is a video game designer. He is the president of video game development at Game Freak. Basically, it's just a really big fish in video games, if not the biggest fish. So he founded Game Freak, basically, and... Game Freak started out as, which I think this is so fucking cool, but Game Freak started out originally as a fanzine. And it evolved into the video game giant that that it is today. Which I think is really cool and shows kind of like his fandom side of things and how it started out for him being a super fan of of things. Yes, and honestly with uh when we say fanzine, we do not mean the fanzines that you see today on the internet to where they are like literally almost better than published books. We're talking run off on a shitty copier and hand stapled together to hand out at early conventions. Like we are talking bottom of grass the barrel roots. grassroots yeah. as hell. And that's originally what a zine was supposed to be it's just changed a lot in the past five years yeah 
Yeah, yeah, it's totally wild, but that's why I wanted to bring it up because it's way different than what you're thinking the, in your brain probably. Yeah, no, it was not polished. It was literally just like, you know, you made it in your dad's basement. It kind is of some deal. guy. Yeah, it is just some guy who really likes the thing. I think that's amazing that it started out as a fanzine and then it evolved into what it is today. Mm-hmm. So Tajiri said that the goal of Pokemon as a game was inspired by seeing two Game Boy consoles joined by a cable link, and he visualized two bugs kind of crawling across the cable, and he was reminded of his childhood hobby, which was insect collecting. He wanted to make a game that had the same feeling of catching and collecting that he had growing up. When he was growing up, he lived in a very rural area of Japan, and urbanization spread really rapidly as he was growing up. Um, So he was probably growing up around the technological boom of Japan. Mm -hmm. What did you call it? The The bubble. bubble. It was an economic and technological bubble that basically took over Japan and revitalized, revolutionized, and turned it completely on its head in the course of a very small amount of time. With that came... Uh, a lot of industrialization, obviously, and spreading of that industry into rural areas, and with it, kind of the loss of the places that, you know, were childhood safe havens for people like Tajiri. He kind of bemoaned the loss of that magical place where kids could run around and have that kind of imagination and have a hobby like insect collecting. And he wanted to be able to give that to kids in a new way. Six years after he had this realization, Pokemon Red and Green came onto the scene and literally the entire world was never the same. People often use the phrase rise and fall in uh, when they talk about a video game or, or, or a media giant of anything. And obviously Pokemon is not as popular as it was back in the day, but I'm only saying that because the chokehold that Pokemon had on us as children is literally, <laughs> is literally cannot be replicated by, I would say, almost anything today. It was absolute and complete in its scope. Right. There, there was it nothing. Eclipsed everything. It, it, it eclipsed everything and because of this there were media blitz to end all media blitzes there there was nothing like it there were so many clones things that got started just because of pokemon because they were trying to ride the coattails of pokemon to popularity and so because of this when i say the world was never the same the ripples from pokemon being released are still felt today Mm -hmm. they are there are still things being made right now that because of Pokemon would not exist without it. From a video game perspective, Pokemon, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pokemon basically changed handheld gaming, like fundamentally changed it. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything that you see nowadays as like the huge Pokemon franchise literally just came from such humble beginnings of like a boy who loved collecting bugs and arcade games and combined those interests and pursued that relentlessly and he made his own fanzines you know he had such a small beginning and then nintendo and game freak combined to create like they impacted the cultural zeitgeist in a way that inspired millions of people and created a brand that 
was recognized by the majority of the world population, which is no small feat. I don't, I, I feel kind of tentative about saying majority of the world population, but at least in like the quote unquote developed world or like technologically advanced world. I'd say anybody that can connect to the internet. Anybody that, that's a good litmus test. That's a good. The, the internet connected world all knows Pokemon. There we go. Yes. Pokemon wasn't produced easily. I mean, we all love a Cinderella story where things happen and all of a sudden the protagonist of our story's complete life has changed and everything is better over the course of one night. Game Freak was nearly bankrupted in the process of producing Pokemon, but took a gamble on Tajiri's passion. Shigeru Miyamoto, I mean, I think we all know who that is, but he's the granddaddy of a one Mario, <laughs> uh, himself guided him through the process of making Pokemon red and green. In fact, Tajiri did not even take a salary during this time. He literally lived off his father's money. That's crazy to me because you know that somebody is just really passionate about it if they're like, I am putting all my chips in here, baby. I am counting like, all my chickens before they hatch. Yeah, I am putting them all in one basket. Like, I believe in this so much. Even then, it took time for Pokemon to grow as a Nintendo franchise. It grew to the top of sales slowly, compensating for Nintendo's declining sales. It's crazy that the Game Boy used to be considered a failing console. The thing about the Game Boy being a failing console is that it reminds me of this rumor that I heard about the Beatles, and I'm not sure if it's true or not, but when the Beatles apparently went to audition for a, a big record label, the executive told them that the guitar was phasing out as a mainstream instrument, and I feel like that's a very adequate metaphor for this situation because we wouldn't have the consoles that we use today if they hadn't been inspired or a direct development of the Game Boy. Nintendo literally still has a hold on the portable gaming market. There are other consoles that are trying to break into it. They they are <laughs> nowhere PSP. They are they are nowhere close to Nintendo, like the 3DS, I would call the functionally perfect handheld gaming system. It's still unbeaten today. And that is because of the Game Boy. Beyond that, it is the highest grossing media franchise of all time. Of all time. It is surpassed in video games only by Mario, Tetris, and Call of Duty. That's it. They went on to create an anime that has been the most successful video game adaption of all time, still going after a thousand episodes and 20 seasons. It's like if The Simpsons were originally a video game. Both the anime and game stand more than well enough on their own, which is incredibly rare in the franchise world. And if that wasn't enough, they can also boast having the most successful trading card game of all time, selling over 34 billion cards. We were talking about this earlier and saying that would literally be enough to give every single person on the planet uh, a, like a deck of cards. Yeah. Every single person on the planet would have a deck of Pokemon cards. That's how many they've sold. That's just freaking insane I, to me. The, literally thinking of any, like a, an amount of anything in the billions is insane. Is Yeah, you, I don't think that we can comprehend just how much a billion is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, kill a billionaires. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not trying to radicalize anybody. No, I am. <laughs> but anyway, so 34 billion cards. The only billionaire should be Pikachu. <laughs> And we're, we're like literally glossing over, as if you can gloss over anything, but we're glossing over the music, the comics, 
the movies, over 20 of them, and even theme parks. Yeah, there were, there was, um, I know Japan has done this with other, like, super big franchises in anime. Like, I know they have, like, Naruto. They have, like, mm-hmm. a ninja, ah, I want to go so bad. But they have, um, a Naruto one, and they have, like, a traveling theme park, and they even have, like, showcases and pop-up cafes they got stage shows all that kind of stuff yeah there was even a pokemon live stage show that toured in the fucking states which is so rare yeah that kind of thing really doesn't show up very often which shows that pokemon is powerful enough to overpower that weird cultural divide the the divide yeah when people are just like these things are fucking cute Okay, yeah, so literally segueing into the anime, I put this in the notes, but I literally only found this out today. Um, well, I knew this before, but in the Japanese version of Pokemon, the anime, before 4Kids renamed all of the characters to have more quote-unquote accessible names, as if kids couldn't learn how to call a character Satoshi. But anyway, Asha's name was Satoshi in the original Japanese version. And I knew that, but it, I didn't connect the dots that he was named after Satoshi Tajiri. And then I found out that Gary's name in the anime is Shigeru, referencing Shigeru Miyamoto. So it's a clear reference to Ash and Gary to Tajiri and Miyamoto. And I think that that's really cute because of their relationship as not only a mentor and a student of Miyamoto helping Tajiri make his games, but also as rivals because they, he's they, like they, very powerful. He, yeah, but the thing is, is that it's kind of in the same vein, like as the show where Gary is in so many ways so far ahead of Ash and has so much more of a reputation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Ash keeps Gary on his toes. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that because it's just. Such a sweet... I don't know how involved they were, but I think it's a very sweet nod to the both of them. Wow, I'm really talking a lot. Um, <laughs> do you want to just say the fun facts? Sure. <laughs> we, we did a lot of research uh, when we were trying to prepare for this episode because we wanted to come correct. And when we're talking about Pokemon, we're talking about it with the knowledge that we are probably talking to at least a few super fans. So we wanted to... Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely actually... Do you want to finish your thought so that you don't lose it? Oh, no, that's fine. Okay, so I did want to say, like, when we do talk about our shows, it's not going to be like, well, that's just a theory. And then, like, the whole fandom is like, we knew this. You know? Um, mm-hmm. We're not here to say that we thought of anything groundbreaking or amazing, but we do hope, or we fundamentally understand the source material in a way that you know, brings justice to the uh, fans that, you know, we're not horrifically misunderstanding or misrepresenting it in our analysis of it. And I think Pokemon is an important one to do with that one. You know, we're not here to say that we're right. We're just here to talk about it, you know. Talk about Um, it in a way that's well-learned. Yeah. Like, like, Pokemon is literally older than a lot of people who are probably going to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, and therefore, there's a lot of history there. When I'm, like, researching, like, a a, a new hobby, I like to get really deep into the background of it and the context of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. There's over 20 years of fun facts to dig into. And depending on what rabbit hole you go down to, animation, music, the games, the comics, you can literally make an entire episode about any one of these things and not even 
plumb the well of the stories behind the Pokemon franchise that you can literally dig up. Yeah. There are hundreds of facts, and we found a few that that are just neat. Pokemon has not only leaked into all of those media things that I just listed, but it's also leaked into science. There's a protein named Pikachurian after Pikachu. And some recently discovered genus of animals have Pokemon names and their scientific names, such as, I'm Ten- going to ruin um, this. Tenterceps Weedleye. And I pronounce, I might be pronouncing this wrong, a chili cola. Yeah, that's what it looks <laughs> like. It looks like chili cola, Charizard Moncton. Insane to me. So um, we figured that the Weedle Eye is a bug and that the Charizard is a lizard of Likely. some sort. And then when I started digging, I really like to look up scientific papers. I like having the lens of fandom because you see the application of it in a way that I think that sometimes academics don't. Yes. You know? Yes. There was this book that was written by a professor of education. Um, His name is Joseph Tobin. Yeah, Mr. Tobin, his book, Pikachu's Global Adventure, The Rise and Fall of Pokemon, that the success of the franchise was due to the long list of names that could be learned by children and repeated in their peer groups. Its rich fictional universe gives opportunities for discussion and demonstration of knowledge in front of their peers. The names of the creatures were linked to characteristics which converge with the children's belief that names have symbolic power. Like, that's a, that's a really, like, pa- like cool phrase, actually. Children can pick their favorite Pokemon and affirm their individuality while at the same time affirming their conformance to the values of the group, which are all very important sociability things. Mm-hmm. And they can distinguish themselves from others by asserting what they liked and what they did not like from every chapter. Pokemon gain popularity because it provides a sense of identity to a wide variety of children and lost it quickly when many of these children found that the identity groups were too big and searched for identities that would distinguish them into smaller groups or also they grew up and Pokemon was a good set of training wheels for further social interaction. Okay, he's, wow, he got his PhD from the University of Chicago and a postdoctoral fellowship in Hawaii. He also had doctoral mentors from Japan, um, a man named Takeo Doi, mm-hmm. a Japanese psychoanalyst most famous for his work on Japanese enthopsychiatry. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds pretty dope. Anyway, uh, thank you, Mr. Tobin, for writing this book about Pokemon. And the social condition, honestly. Yeah, the human condition. I think that it illustrates a very fundamental sociological effect of searching for a group you know mm-hmm. um what are we what are we all but searching for groups honestly and uh we were talking about this earlier too but we were thinking that you know things like pokemon that have become these cultural phenomenons they kind of i believe happen in the right place at the right time like if something is a good idea that doesn't alone mean that it is going to become successful. There's always a right place and a right time and then lightning strikes. And I think the inspiration that Tajiri got from seeing the urbanization of Japan really translated well to our generation that grew up with Pokemon, the first generation as children. You know, there are children in Pokemon now, but I'm talking about the people that were children in the 90s that experienced the first generation and the peak of the phenomena as children. We people who were, remember the, the before time. People who remember the world before the internet. Mm. And I think that that is a part of what made Pokemon 
so successful. I don't know how well Pokemon would have did if it had shown up 10 years prior. And if it had shown up 10 years later, it might have been old news because there would be so many other things that kind of made its way onto the scene and probably would have taken its place and filled that vacuum. Yeah. Because that vacuum would have been filled regardless. It just happened to be that Pokemon was there. I truly believe that. So basically the point is that he captured the imaginations of kids that grew up playing outside as children, but then transitioned into an internet world where it was more common to grow up playing inside. Having the handhold console and that mobility. To play on the go. To, to, and to play wherever you happen to be. To play at school and to play on the bus. Gave kids the opportunity to escape back into the feeling of adventure that you get from going outside. It really feels like, you know, recalling the way that I felt about it, it felt like I was always on an adventure. There were, like, I remember vividly, like, the part where you're in uh, Saffron City mm -hmm. and you're going through all of the tiles and trying to figure out how to get through the building and going up Lavender Tower, trying to find where the pokey flute is so you can move the Snorlax, you know, like going on all those adventures. Crunching all those little puzzles that now seem so like tiny, but in the, but back in the day you were like, oh my God, oh my God, this yeah. is the height of cinema. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy because Pokemon, when it first came out, was kind of doing okay. R.I.P. <laughs> then later on, there was this rumor that started going around, and again, right place at the right time mm -hmm. kind of thing. This rumor started going around about this other Pokemon named Mew that wasn't listed as being in the game. And it turns out that T Judy had actually uh, not talked about it and just hidden Mew in there. Again, kind of illustrating the scene for you, it wasn't like it would spread like wildfire like it does now, where it's like, oh, here's all of my screen caps of this Easter egg in this game. Here's Mew. It would be like, oh, you know, Tommy saw him. You yeah, know? you gotta ask be him like, about it. He's the only one. He's who the, got the only game that one far. who's seen it. Yeah, and so like it was so much more. It was like you were so compelled to get involved versus just like consume it. So people would want to buy the game for themselves and see if they could find it. Exactly, there was much more of a participatory uh, aspect. That's such a good word, mm -hmm. <laughs> participatory. It was so much more um, hands-on instead of, you know, being living in the world of Let's Plays. We're going to go get him today. Here's We're, three hours of my VOD of Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. So it's, again, I feel like such a right place at the right time kind of thing. If it had shown up 10 years prior or later, I don't know if we would have Pokemon that existed um, in the same way. Because... Even when he was pitching it to Game Freak, they were like, "What the hell?" Yeah, they they Whatever were willing to take say. a chance, but they weren't they yeah. weren't like one hundred percent like, "Okay, here's a this is dollars. the next yeah. big bitch." Yeah, it really makes you think about how Pokemon kind of filled that weird gap between the transition in the early internet days from playing outside to playing inside, uh, kind of 
growing apart, really. Yeah. You know, not like, knowing your neighbors anymore, not playing outside with your, like, you know, you growing up, you knew all the kids on the street. Yeah. You know, you don't do that anymore. No, though. you really don't. Yeah. Like, like, but even, even to this day, Pokemon can give children and adults a, a place to connect. Like, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a really simple way to speed run friendship, to, honestly. Yeah, to, to speed run connection. And really... You know, fandom does that in general, but a lot of people's first memory of being able to know that they have that mutual connection with somebody. Literally, you could just go up to a kid and be like, do you play Pokemon? And do you want to play? You had a really good shot of the kid being like, oh my god, I yeah, want to do nothing trade. else besides yeah. that. Yeah. Or, or, or that, that you're going to go see the movie at the end of the month with your mom. Yeah. We did see the movie with our mom. You literally. It, from, I guess, a historical context, it kind of filled this gap that we might have subconsciously felt ourselves losing. Yeah. Which is, which is much to think about. It's insane to think about yeah, that. Yeah. But maybe, you know, um, uh, my man's Tobin uh, is onto something there with the, you know, the symbolic power of it. And the combination, I think, of Pokemon being like its own system in that little strange gap of the mid-late 90s where we were transitioning to an online world and connecting with people that way. Um, it, and it ended up being exactly what that generation needed. And mm. it managed to persist and continue to capture imaginations after that. This, this was also a fun fact that I found. Um, we'll definitely link this paper in the show notes because it is a fascinating read. And there's also, um, there's some pictures of brain activity, but in correspondence to an image, like it shows a Clefairy and then it shows a picture of Boo from Mario. Mm -hmm. and, and it's uh, talking about this study that was done by Stanford Neurosciences. And it was headed by this guy at the University of California, Berkeley, named Jesse Gomez. And he has done other Pokemon studies as well, or uh, studies focused around Pokemon to study the brain and how it creates its own systems, basically. It's really fascinating stuff. If this is your jam, um, we will definitely link it so you can read it. I love finding stuff like this. So there was a study done on 11, quote, Pokemon experts. So all of these were people that played Pokemon as children and then played it as adults. Yeah, people, um, people who have working knowledge of Pokemon. Yeah, who have working knowledge for years. And then there were Pokemon novices who played it as children, not so much as adults. And so they did studies on these two groups. They, quote, found that seeing Pokemon stimulated activity in the visual cortex in a different place than is triggered by recognizing faces, places, or words, demonstrating the brain's ability to create such specialized areas. So it's an illustration of basically a theory that uh, neurologists have had about the brain called... I didn't write this in my notes, but I have it here. Um, it's called eccentricity bias. And it suggests uh, the size of the images that you look at and whether you look at it within your central or peripheral vision predicts which areas of the brain respond. Pokemon ended up being like the perfect source of study for this because you could count on the size of the Pokemon 
and you were looking at it with your central vision because everybody who played the game you know had it on a handheld console yeah and we're paying it up front and, and center. we're playing it front and center so it actually was able to confirm not necessarily because it's still a theory but it supports the theory of eccentricity bias which i think is really really cool and it turns out that this guy who is this scientist actually used it because he grew up playing pokemon and i think that's real. so it it influence the field of science uh by fascinating somebody enough for them to use this phenomenon in their like neurological study for like actual adults for, yeah for real adults which i think is really cool um just another amazing impact that pokemon has had on the world and he even says that he's gonna do more studies about the audio of pokemon i'm pretty sure that they mean because you know in the games um, they each have their own little 8-bit sounds. Yeah, they're, that, they're little, they're like, little, garbled cry. Little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that plays when they Murdering the game chip via the music file chip. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's what he means, but I'm sure that, you know, you could also do it with, like, the voices of the Pokemon in the anime as well. Most likely. Um, and showing that it... There's this whole other section of your brain that has developed as a phenomenon when it's as widespread as Pokemon has developed this different area of the brain that yes, yes. Um, that adults who play Pokemon have. Yeah, so it's we're really evolving. Cool. We're evolving as we're a evolving. society. <laughs> we're making Pokemon brain real and we're also getting rid of our appendixes. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> We're gradually we're evolving. We're replacing to... appendixes with Pokemon? Yes, but oh. we're gradually evolving to get rid of our ap- appendix, along with a few other redundant organ systems. Yes, billionaires. Billionaires. Who needs them? Mm-mm. Throws them out with my appendix. I don't, yeah, and my wisdom teeth. Let's get them out. LOL. <laughs> so, it's really interesting because it kind of makes you wonder about, like, those brain developments once you go past our you know, our Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, once you get shelter and food and, like, you know... Your basics. Your basics. The next what, thing is sociability. What, yeah, what does our brain do next, you know? And thinking about how we haven't really evolved physiologically. We have our basic needs met and we have an abundance of food nowadays and you know everything has been commodified but we still get anxiety and have the same instincts of like survival but nowhere to really put it which is why we're like I'm just sitting here why do I have anxiety yeah why why leg bounce well because need to hunt gazelle yeah (laughs) yeah and so using Pokemon to illustrate that strange development is very fun to me it's like brain doesn't need to recognize which berries are good anymore so now it's going to love pikachu yeah yeah exactly (laughs) the only berries are his cute little cheeks (laughs) so anyway the point is pokemon has had a huge impact on the world you know i'm We all love an underdog story, and hats off to Satoshi Tajiri for creating the fucking most undeniably badass franchise of all time. Yeah. Still just keeps on breaking it in to this day. Just going. Just fucking going. And still is good. 
Yeah, that's the it's thing. It's still good. You can make arguments about the games. You can make arguments about the anime. You can make arguments about whether it's innovative or whether it's retracking same old, same old things. But no matter what, at the end of the day, it's still like capturing the hearts and minds of millions. And that's yeah. it. you can't say that about a lot of franchises like this. No. Uh, again, I think that you would be hard-pressed to find a franchise that is as successful in the areas that Pokemon has been successful in as much. So, like, yes, in video games, Mario is better. But you can't say that Mario has an equally good anime. It has, <laughs> it has no anime presence. It has no anime. <laughs> When I was six, uh, my theme for my party was Pokemon cards. And, like, we rented out the little hobby shop and played Pokemon. The literally literally the only reason I was in team sports was because after I would get done with my swim meets, I would literally towel off as fast as humanly possible, then book it to the gazebo to trade Pokemon cards. Yes! Like, I would swim faster specifically because if I didn't get there fast enough, all the good card trades would be gone. Oh my god. <laughs> like legit, like literally holding a carrot in front of my nose. Yes. See, yeah, that, I like how, I really like how even if somebody wasn't a Pokemon fanatic growing up, we all still have our memories uh, of Pokemon. We all, it all touched us somehow, literally, yeah. like literally, and if it wasn't us, it was a sibling or a cousin or, or somebody that we knew on the street, like that's Billy and he's the Pokemon fanatic. He's the Pokemon guy, Yeah. <laughs> So it's really cool that, you know, it started from the mind and heart of this little boy who loved collecting bugs and wanted everybody to have that same kind of enjoyment mm -hmm. uh, that came from catching and collecting something. That's really special. And uh, we all know that kids love collecting crap. Like Yes. And, you know, it, I ha my hat's off to him. I hope he has a great day wherever he is because when you make something with love, you can really tell. And I think that he just managed to be in the right place at the right time and managed to change the lives of millions of people. Honestly, like he could just get up on any stage right now and just grab the mic and whisper Pikachu into it and then drop it. And we'd be like, yeah, Kay. for like 15 minutes. But, you know, the thing is, is if I passed him on the street, I'd have no idea. Yeah, that's the thing. That's <laughs> give me that kind of, like... Give me that kind of impact. Yeah. I, I want to be able to order a coffee, but also, when I do go to a convention, please clap. Oh, <laughs> standing ovation meeting. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's a good level of fame. Yeah. Watching the I Choose You movie, that was kind of what I thought I wanted to use to talk about to not analyze the franchise as a whole, but uh, the anime more since this is, you know, about anime primarily. Um, not only that, but I feel like there's so much that you can learn from the character of Ash, who is essentially an extension of Tajidi. Mm -hmm. um, and every 10-year-old child. Yeah, and I mean, he's compelling because he does have that accessibility to mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. If you think of a protagonist in your mind, he he's is... up there. He's a protagonist's protagonist. Mm -hmm. You know, the textbook shonen underdog that you want to see make it really bad. Exactly. So, you think about the show... 
what are the themes of the show? Well, the power of friendship, obviously, Mm -hmm. of course. But the one that I feel like resonates with me the most as the person I am now and the person I was watching the I Choose You movie is that life is about the journey and not the destination. And the only way that you can actually fail is if you give up. There's like so much more inspiration that you can get out of it. But I feel like Pokemon, um, not just the I Choose You movie, but as a whole captures it's about the journey, not the destination so exceptionally well due to the fact that it is literally a journey and centers around Ash's Pokemon journey. Mm -hmm. It demonstrates that lesson in a way that young people can understand. It's super accessible. And that might have something to do with the lasting power of the anime as a franchise beyond the, you know, like, oh, the game or the cars or something to collect. Yeah. But the uh, character of Ash, I think, was really compelling. Ash remaining 10 also can be a symbol. Like, now stay with me here. Obviously, this is reaching and I'm talking purely in analytical terms we all know that the reason Ash stays 10 for real, for real is because it's a kid show and the protagonist should be a kid. <laughs> That's the target audience. Mm-hmm. So that should be the character. Um, but I did want to share a few edgelord theories that I found involving reasons that Ash has remained 10 throughout the entire series. And by edgelord theories, in case anybody is wondering, I mean those theories that you read on the internet made by some dude that grew up really edgy and came up with a theory about a show that makes the show dark. So For no reason, yeah. specifically. And I was asking my roommates what their favorite examples of edgelord theories were. So you have some examples out you've, the gate. I'm sure that you've read at least one or two or heard of at least one or two if you've knocked around the internet at all. Okay, here we go. Um, Fight Club is Calvin and Hobbes, but in the future. Oh my god. So, t- or like Hobbes becomes Tyler Durden. Oh my god, no. Yeah, I, I don't know. Awful. Um, yeah, zero out of ten from me. No. Um, yeah, this was a really good one. Christopher Robin's mental illnesses are embodied by all of his stuffed animals. So, like, Rabbit is OCD and Piglet is anxiety. Oh, my God. And, uh, I don't, Eeyore's depression. I, just, again, it's like, it is literally... Not about that at all, it's but okay. Yeah, literally, it's the worst. Thank you. Um, Finn from Adventure Time is in a coma. Which... That was a popular one, honestly. Like, the coma theory. Like, I see that applied to, like, a, a bunch of children's it's, cartoons. It's applied so often. And it is also, um, you know, one involving Ash. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the Pokemon Edgelord theories mostly all revolve around the fact that Ash doesn't age. So um, some of my favorite Pokemon Ash thing, 10 edgelord theories, because there's a surprising amount of them Mm -hmm. um, as that one Ash died in episode one during the bike accident. So the whole rest of the series is just him in a coma (laughs) and, and or dead. Um, I don't know which one's better to be honest with you. (laughs) You know, I would take having the experience in real life, but if I had to have it in a coma, so be it, because I would love to be on a Pokemon journey. Yeah, me too. Um, 
The other one is, this is for like the old school fans, I guess. He died in the Tower of Terror episode. If you don't remember that one, it's the one with the ghost Pokemon and uh, a chandelier falls on his head, uh, killing him and Pikachu for real, for real. And then he has an out-of-body experience and the ghosts take him on an adventure. I actually have a tattoo on my leg that is a screen cap from that episode because I love it so much. Um... I also just really love Gengar. Gengar like, is so cute. Um, and that episode's really great because it shows off like the like the first three ghost Pokemon like yeah, goofing off. Yeah, it's like that they used to be the ghost Pokemon. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that, back in the day. So yeah, that was a and I've always loved ghosts. Um so, and purple. I like purple. And, oh man, purple is so good. <laughs> that sure look like purple. <laughs> So that's another one. Um, another one that I, this is the one that actually is like, okay. Uh, Celebi messed with his timeline. Uh, the reason that I like this one is because it's actually like derived from the material. Yeah, and like actual Pokemon yeah, lore. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's actual Pokemon lore versus like, oh, he's in a coma. It was all a dream. And it's like, you can do that with literally anything ever. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's like, oh, you know, like, you're trying. Yeah, you're, um, you're like, figuring something out that makes sense, like, in-world. Yeah, like, you're trying to figure it out. And so if you believe that one, like, you got the spirit, but um, I'm still going to have to pass um, another one I read that I liked was Mewtwo Petrified Him. Mm-hmm. So in the Mewtwo Strikes Back movie, um, when he turns Ash into stone, the theory is that by doing that, I don't even know if it is supposed to be stone, quote unquote. I have no clue what he, that's but, actually, but he basically turns him into a statue for a little bit. Yeah, so. he just, a statue slash, I don't know, pile of rubble i was gonna say a pile of ash but i didn't want to make the pun yes um wow okay (laughs) anyway mewtwo petrified him the one that i thought was the sweetest was that ash was granted eternal happiness by receiving one of ho-oh's feathers so in the pokedex entry for ho-oh which, if you don't remember, at the end of episode one, he sees Ho-Oh after the rain clears away and the rainbow comes out and Ho-Oh flies into the rainbow. And so the theory is that Ash's version of eternal happiness is to be on a Pokemon journey for forever. Oh, and so his... It's like his own personal Valhalla. Yeah, it's like his little heaven. And he his little happiness is granted to him forever. So if I was going to adhere to one... I would say that's the one that I like the most because it's the least edgy. You know, do you want to be happy? Okay. Here you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. Like, yeah, here you go, buddy. You uh, you earned it. You earned it. Yeah, and your Pikachu loves you. So those were some ones that uh, stuck out to me, but if you Google it, there are so many more. There are hundreds, you literally. Can, uh, there was one that I saw that was a crossover with Doctor Who, that Ash was a Time Lord. Oh my fucking God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got... That's also a pretty big workaround. Yeah, honestly, you could, like, you could just do that with anything. You could just make anybody a Time Lord and be like, yep, that's why. That's the that's X, Y, Z. Aliens did it. Aliens <laughs> aliens made them do it. Um, oh my god, that's really nuanced. Um, anyway, so I think what we can take from Ash staying 10 forever, actually like trying to 
mentally, like... Yeah, analyze it as, like, you know, if there was a more symbolic reason, why doesn't Ash age? Um, It's more about thinking about the things that make us grow old other than physically aging. I'm talking about the things that make us feel old Mm -hmm. or... that age us, that make us weary, mm-hmm. um, that make us tired, that make us sad. Run us down. Run us down. Yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting it. So thinking about the things that make us grow old. So, like, if you think about it, compared to the capitalistic hellscape that we live in, mm-hmm. uh, hell on earth, mm-hmm. Ash lives comparatively, like, in perpetual bliss, right? So he has, like his friends, his Pokemon, and he travels around the world. He has incredible adventures. He's never broke. He doesn't have debt. He has, like, food and shelter whenever he needs it, and he gets to pursue his childhood dream relentlessly. And, like, think about it for a second. Like, what was your childhood dream? What what did you want to do with your life when you were 10 years old? And where would you be now if you had the opportunity at 10 years old to pursue it? Yeah, literally, like, the world wasn't fighting against you. It was only you having to fight against yourself to complete it. Exactly. Um, I don't... What, what did I want to be when I was 10? A paleontologist, I want to say. I wanted to do something with, like, animals. I wasn't really sure. I, a vet? People were like, you should be a vet. And I'm like, but oh. I don't like when animals get hurt like, yeah so, that's not the job for you no and like i'm the type of person that would absolutely fail at like adopting an animal or like taking care of an animal for a history of time because i'd be like okay i guess i just have a cat now yeah like I, i'd be able to take it like you'd be able to take a bullet once <laughs> <laughs> so uh i guess that if i had uh been able to do it i would have i'd be somewhere out in the badlands digging up T-Rexes, but that, oh, that's pretty cool. Or I guess T-Rex isn't popular anymore. Right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the kids are into these days. Some kind of shelled animal. Yeah, sure. Um, or Pokemon number 859, which I have no idea what it is. Listen, there's so You know, many... actually, I'm going to Google Pokemon. What's Pokemon at 850? Listen, I, the, uh, off the top of my head, I only remember a couple of Pokemon. Um, obviously, like, Bulbasaur is number one. I remember Pokemon 420 because it's... Uh, Impidip. I okay. fucking love Impidip. Okay. Never I... mind. I love <laughs> it so much. I, I fucks with this... He looks so fucking dumb. Look at this little oh. <laughs> oh, he looks dumb as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Galar. I fucking love him. He's based off of like more like English legend of like goblins and gremlins and stuff. Um, oh my god, he looks so goddamn stupid. Oh my god, is that his evolved form? Yes, that's uh Grimmsnarl. He looks literally like Beowulf. People call him Bayonetta because he like that's his hair and he can move his hair around. Oh my! Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, he uh, he glowed up. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I like his little pink form. He looks so dumb. Okay, well, anyway, that's uh, (laughs) that's me, I guess. So I yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, so, you know, think about what you would do if you could pursue your childhood dreams <laughs> relentlessly. That's what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it reminded me, uh, going kind of down that train of thought of like, 
what makes us grow old is it reminded me of this picture that my mom has on her door that says, we don't stop playing because we grow old, we grow old because we stop playing. And I think the thing that we can take from Ash's never-ending journey as a 10-year-old is him staying true to the things that he was passionate about from a young age. And it made me think of another quote that I absolutely love by this writer, Emily McDowell. Um, she was one of the people that worked on, uh, like, with Elizabeth Gilbert on Eat, Pray, Love. So wow. in terms of, like... Um, Self-help you know, and self-actualization. Yeah, self-help, self-actualization, those kinds of things. And she has a pretty respectable uh, career. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, this is an anime podcast. Um, so she has a quote that I just absolutely love. And she says, Finding yourself is not really how it works. You aren't a $10 bill in last winter's coat pocket. You're also not lost. Your true self is right there. Buried under cultural conditioning, other people's opinions, and inaccurate conclusions you drew as a kid that became your beliefs about who you are. Finding yourself is actually returning to yourself. An unlearning, an excavation, a remembering who you were before the world got its hands on you. And the kind of cultural conditioning that we experience in the world is extremely different than the cultural conditioning that someone uh, would experience in the world of Pokemon. Ash never really falters in confidence. You know, obviously it's kind of like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil kind of yeah, thing yeah. where you become aware of, you know, that the childhood vulnerability, that childhood joy, um, the desire to have fun, all of a sudden doesn't really become applicable to us anymore. Mm -hmm. But in the world of Pokemon, that is a completely different case. Like, think about how you would be if you got to pursue the thing that you loved as a child without anybody telling you their opinions about it or saying, well, that's not the way it works in the quote-unquote real world or... Things like, oh, that's just not realistic. Can you imagine, like, if Ash's mom, like, like he comes. It's down not the realistic stairs. that you want to be a Pokemon master. Like, I want you to get an accounting like your father. Like, <laughs> well, actually, according to the well, actually, uh, according to the dub. So take it with a grain of salt. But she does say you're. She does imply that Ash's father was slash is a Pokemon trainer. Yeah. So. I have no fucking idea where that motherfucker is now. He's but, uh, fucking dipped. Mr. Mimes is that. In the sense of, you know, Ash being surrounded by people not telling him that his dreams are unrealistic because in the Pokemon world, they really aren't. Mm -hmm. um, in the sense, staying 10 forever at heart is really important. You know, what would you do if you were in that situation and think about who you were before the world got its hands on you and think about things that you really enjoyed as a child and what you envisioned yourself doing as an adult. You know, those things aren't there for no reason when we're, when we're children. Mm -hmm. You know, they exist because that's what we gravitate to naturally. 
our likes and dislikes might change or might grow, but just because of our own changing and growing as human beings. But when somebody like on this earth forces you to stop liking or stop enjoying something simply because they don't think that it vibes with you or that they it's don't not think realistic. That it's, that it's not realistic it or doesn't viable. Fit. You know, the thing is, is that it says more about them than about you because mm. it's them projecting their image of you onto you mm. and not them actually seeing you for you but when you're a kid you don't know that and so it ends up becoming like that quote says it just becomes tangled up in who you are and when you become an adult you know like now in my late 20s early 30s I'm just only now beginning to kind of unravel that and be like oh this is who I am really you know, this is my personality. This is what I like and what I dislike and who I am as a person. You know, these are my real qualities. Mm -hmm. But when you're a kid, you do absorb the projections of others onto you. You literally go, well, maybe I don't like that thing. Exactly. Because you're told to trust what adults tell you. And so you always will ask yourself, well, maybe I am wrong. And then you carry that into your adulthood like you don't trust yourself you should trust yourself yeah you, know, you should know that the things that lead you into the direction that gives you joy and makes you happy like ash are there for a reason and moving on to like you know the life is the journey not the destination i think ultimately what everyone can take from that without digging into the theories is that Pokemon exemplifies that beautifully because Ash doesn't give up on his dream, but that's not like his dream of becoming a Pokemon master, you find out really isn't his dream. It's to just like be a Pokemon master doesn't necessarily mean winning a league. No. And, and I think that that's what he finds out and that's why he's on this journey but even then, in terms of winning a league, how long did it take for him to become a Pokemon League champion? I think it's 23 years. Um, but it's literally over 20 years. And while the fact that he remains 10 is not realistic, I think that it is extremely realistic in terms of the actual timeline that it would take Ash over 20 years to become a Pokemon master. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, if you're going on a career journey like that, those things take decades. We expect it all to happen so quickly. But who wins their first league realistically? Nobody. No. <laughs> Nobody. Literally. Like, any anything that would take that long, getting a PhD, becoming becoming a master at your craft... Like, like, there's this quote that basically says to become good at literally anything, you have to sink over 10,000 hours into that thing. Right. So, and that's yeah, just to I've become good. Just or seven years. Yeah, or seven something years. Something like that is the magic number. Yeah. Quote. So just, so, and that's just to become good at that thing, not fight with other people who also have spent that not time become becoming a master. good. Exactly. Yeah. I think that you reach a point where you like realize, oh, I'm always going to be a student of this. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. that's. That's also an important realization. You know, nobody ever gets it perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't really, like, you know, you could talk about that. But that's in a separate vein. But 
I think that, you know, there's a lot you can learn from the fact that it does take him up until Alola to win a championship, which congratulations, Ash. We all knew you could do it and you are my special boy. And it literally was national actual news when it happened too, which I thought was super cute. I know, it's so cute. Like literally like like CNN is like, Ash won Ash, Ash did it. Ash fucking did it. I know. Everybody was like, congratulations. And that's the... That's the draw of Pokemon but see, right there. if he had won it in the beginning, it wouldn't have been as big of a celebration. They would have been like, he always wins the league. That's how yeah, the anime works. he always works. wins the league. The good guy always wins. This is, but, like, I think that going back to the I Choose You movie, it kind of captures the... Um, what's the word? It captures the theme and, like, Ash's real goal in life versus just, like, winning a league his to become... His goal. Yeah, like, he actually says his goal in the I Choose You movie better than just saying something as vague as, I want to become a Pokemon master. And I'm sure if you ask a Pokemon super fan, there is, like, a textbook definition for what a Pokemon master is, but to somebody who has not seen all of the anime and hasn't played the games uh, in recent years... Uh, to me, a Pokemon Master is literally just somebody who has won some leagues and has notoriety and respect in the Pokemon world. and Which you can get by many different ways. Which you, well, yeah, because you can also become a breeder or um, a gym leader or um, what, are, what are some of the other ones like, that There's like hates? celebrities, there's like fashion, there's like... Like yeah, a scientist. Pokemon fashion. Oh, and Pokemon scientists. Yes, that's one. So yeah, there's um, there's tons millions of, ways. of other things. So I guess that Pokemon Master is like just specifically battle oriented. Like I call Oak a Pokemon Master in the sense that like he's incredibly knowledgeable. He's mastered his craft. Yes. 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 Um. Yeah. And you know what he does? He just smokes weed every day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. <laughs> He just seems like a weed guy to me. He's super chill. He just lives on kind of the outskirts of this small yeah, town. Yeah, he just has weed And it's just like, and I am your god. <laughs> I really I also love that they have him eat pizza in the anime. Um, well, we can talk about the four kids dub another time. Lamau. <laughs> but Oh, we're anyway. going to talk about the four oh, kids. Oh, we are gonna. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the... In the I Choose You movie, he, I think he says it um, much more eloquently than just, I want to be a Pokemon master. And if you haven't seen the I Choose You movie, um, I think that original fans of the series will enjoy it if you leave behind your preconceptions of the Kanto region because it combines, like, the other generations of Pokemon in it. And uh, uh, Misty and Brock aren't in it at all. Uh, Ash has two different companions, and it's still, but it's still like a really enjoyable movie. It hits all the story beats that you want to see hit, honestly, yeah, for a movie runtime. It's still a Pokemon movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it still captures the heart of Pokemon, which is what made it successful in my eyes. It made it a good adaptation because I don't really consider it like, you know, a part of the story. The canon. Yeah. Yeah, of the canon. Um, but anyway, it's still quite lovely like i'd sit i'd sit i sit a child down and be like do you want to see what pokemon is here it is here it is yeah that's a good it's perfect yeah it's a good introductory basic gloss over because you do kind of get a feel for the series as a whole up to Mm -hmm. that point Mm -hmm. um 
And it's also beautifully animated, which is amazing, and you should check it out. Um, but anyway, the antagonist in this movie is a guy named Cross, and he's meant to be Ash's foil because he's like, Oh, well, strength is all that matters. Pokemon are only good if they're strong. Um, blah, blah, blah. Being weak sucks ass. Don't do it. Definitely meaner than Gary. Um, yeah, he's just kind of like more aggro Gary. Yeah. Then at the climax of the movie when they have like their big confrontation, um, like Cross is talking to him and Cross is like, I did everything I could to become the strongest trainer of all. Why must you have been chosen by Ho-Oh? If he doesn't consider me the strongest, I'll just crush Ho-Oh. And Ash says, but Cross, I want to get stronger too. I only got this far with the help of my friends. It's not only about strength. And then Cross asks him, then what do you even battle for? And Ash says, I do it because I want to make friends. Not just with Ho-Oh, I want to make friends with all kinds of Pokemon. That's why I battle. And not only does that sum up Ash's personality perfectly, but it also kind of, like, is the, like, the subtext of that is, like, it's about the journey, not the destination. If he is putting one foot in front of the other every day, then he's successful. Exactly. And that's where his confidence comes from. That's where his joy comes from. And if you think about it, if that's his goal, then every day he's achieving his goal because he's surrounded by the fruits of his labor with his friends with his Pokemon, and that's why he battles. He's there already. He's, you he know... He did it. Like, he's doing what he, he wants to do. He can only get better. It can only go up from here. Mm-hmm. And that kind of perspective is so invaluable when you not only are a kid, but you really should carry that with you into being an adult that outlook on life is something that you should really strive for because what do you battle for? That question is a metaphor for so many things for so many people. Like it, if you ask people that question, you would get a different answer. Oh, you would get a different time. answer sometimes, different answers depending on the day. Yeah, exactly. So like why even get up in the morning? Why work out? Why work hard at your job? Why eat healthy? I mean, like, you could ask somebody questions like that so many times. But if your goal is to just make friends, you're not focusing on the outcome. You're focusing on the action. When you do that, there is so much freedom in being detached from the way that things shake out and just enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. You know? And, that, and Ash is like... In that way, he might be 10, but, you know, he's he's got to figure out more than a lot of us. Yeah, uh, seriously. Very old soul. Yes, a very old soul. Oh, my God. <laughs> and in the context of our world and not the Pokemon world, we have become obsessed with output and meeting our goals, kind of going back to, like, Tajiri and, you know, the industrialization of Japan and then, like him just managing to like strike gold with these kids from the 90s during the shift into like social media and an online world that's indoors versus outside that makes it gives your life so much more perspective Mm -hmm. and you can think about the good things that happened to you on accident versus what you made happen 
or tried to make happen. Rather than I need to see this done and if I don't get this done then therefore everything is ruined. Yeah. Like you can it, it's a much healthier outlook because then no matter what happens you at least felt good during. Yeah. How many times have you ever like can you recall a point in your life when you met a goal only for it to feel empty when you accomplished it where you were just like well whatever absolutely every time I finish a big art piece how about that <laughs> like literally I'm like oh my god I'm just glad this is done get it away from me well I mean I think that that's actually healthy instead of being like oh I made a mistake here oh, well yeah but I mean there. like it, you, you know? end up just moving on to the next thing yeah. and you really don't like enjoy like wow I made that like oh I see like taking pride in your taking work. pride in the mm. work you're just like oh my god get, like cut it off of me and then yeah. like, you're like next well you should still be proud that you did well, yeah but I'm, I'm just saying like that comes to mind very easily because mm. it's it's a it's a thing that can feel like a million years but also might only be a day or two right right uh, yeah, I've been there. Mm. But I know that for me personally, the biggest example that I have from my recent memory is when I graduated college. Mm. I'm sure that I'll talk about it more in depth later on. But, you know, I worked my ass off to graduate college and it took me 10 years. And my life and who I was changed so much during those 10 years that by the time I graduated, it didn't feel like an accomplishment. It felt empty. I was like, I got a piece of paper, so what? And I didn't really know what to do next, but it was because I had, over the, that time, become obsessed with meeting the goal of graduating. But what is graduating? It's saying that you learned something, but you don't you know, learn something by just ha putting a book on your head and having the information sink in. Like, it's a process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the end of a process. It shouldn't be considered just, like, some goal, you know? Like, it should be considered a process. And I wasn't looking at it that way, so... You were looking I, at it as a box to tick rather than... Yeah, and so when I got there, it felt empty, but over time because I graduated in 2019 and you know looking back with a few years of hindsight now I'm like you know what I went on a hell of a journey to get there and then graduating feels like you know that was a great next step in the direction of something even bigger something even better something more fun something that will provide even more enrichment in my life. And now I'm on to the next adventure here in Texas, living my best life here. So you come to know yourself intimately along the way to those things, but you have to dig down and find courage and trust that you're capable of making that change. And that is the real success, you know, and that's what Ash does so well. Your goals are really worth it uh, in the sense that you have to grow as a human in order to meet them. And I mean, that's a huge theme in Shonen in general. Yeah. Um, you know, that's it, an aspect of, I'm, I will not go down the rabbit hole of this tangent. I will only state it as a fact. But that's why I enjoy Naruto fights so much, because I feel like the cornerstone fights of the series involve the character growing more emotionally than growing physically in order to defeat their opponent. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why I enjoy them so much. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why I enjoy Pokemon, because it's about the emotional growth versus the, uh, you know, oh, being the biggest, baddest Pokemon out there or whatever. So what we can really learn from Ash is make the reward about your experiences, because that can lead us to that kind of happiness that Ho-Oh can give you. That eternal happiness because every day you will be living your best life. Mm-hmm. Every day should feel like a Pokemon journey. And if you're not on your journey, maybe you should rethink your life a little bit. That's not to say that it's it, every day is going to be perfect. Ash well, has, like, no. Yeah, he has hard days, too. He has absolutely, like, I mean, like, literally in the first episode, like, everything horrible happens to this kid in about 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> no. He, he goes down the tube real fast. But he doesn't give up, right? Like, he's tested right away. That's not to say that every day is going to be sunshine and lollipops. But what gets you through those days when everything is sucking shit is knowing that tomorrow will be better. Exactly. And if you can hang on to that tomorrow, there's going to be more tomorrows after that. It's only, you know... You can only make more friends. You can only have more experiences. You can only learn more and appreciate the world around you more. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. You already have this base level, and it can. You can only grow more. Growing is an upwards process. It isn't linear, mm-hmm. as we were saying, but you know, if you can only ultimately grow, the only way that you stop is if you give up, and. Again, Ash just exemplifies that perfectly. And I will just say one more quote from the movie, and then I'll leave you with your thoughts, because we talked about some deep things today in class. Oh, my God. I need you guys to turn in your macaroni art on th- on Thursday. Yes, I want... Um, all want, of your pokey sona macaroni art. I want I want a Pikachu, but I want it to be blue, and I want it to surf. That's what I wanted to do. Original OC, do not steal... Yes, it's that Pika. Is, it's Pika Blue, and he's the second hidden Pokemon along with me, along with Mew. Oh my God! You know, my friend Tommy said that he found Pika Blue. You see, you, see, you see how I'm cyclically bringing it all. Together. <laughs> wow, <laughs> genius! We are so smart, besties. Oh my God. Anyway, another quote is actually I'm gonna Google it because I'm using Google now. I'm a very good podcaster. Listen, the, the fact that we that we are Old I would man. call it I would call it that we are real time fact checking. Yes, our, I'm real time fact we're checking. We're real time fact checking. We are CNN up in this bitch. Bonji. 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 He's a wise old man character mm-hmm. in the movie. Anyway, he's a Gandalf. Yes, he's the he's there. Actually, he kind of is. <laughs> he's a Gandalf. He literally leads them up to a mountain. A mountain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like Pokemon Lord of the Rings at you, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So anyway, Bonji says at the end, "Young men and women live on. Just keep on living on, and if you do, a path will open for you. The future is bathed in a rainbow-colored light." And I just love that so much. I agree. We just need to keep on living on when we do that the way that Ash does and just remembering the things that we want to do and not listening to other people's opinions, that path opens for us. Mm-hmm. 
And that's all of my thoughts on why Pokemon fucking rules. Yeah, honestly, like at the end of the day, I think we can take home that Pokemon fucking rules and <laughs> it's super great. Pokemon and I like good. I Pokemon real good for brain and for body and for mind and spirit. So that just about does it for episode one. Look at us. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to come up with a funny way to wrap up the show. And I thought it would be a really uh, fantastic way to wrap up the show if I quizzed Alexa's encyclopedic knowledge by describing an anime poorly. And I get inspiration from this, uh, not only from the memes, but if you ever want to just laugh your ass off, go read the summaries that they have for anime on Netflix. Anyway, here's my, here's my challenge for you. And this, um, as a hint, maybe if you're really stumped, I'll give you a couple more hints. Okay, okay, just, but, give me, just yeah, let me just have it. Just give you the juice. Okay, so Seinfeldian high school anime with a hauntingly creepy, but cute animal sidekick. And this is on Netflix? Um, I don't think it's on okay, Netflix, okay. but it's, um, oh my God. as another hint, it's, it is a high school anime, like I said, and it's also... Do you know how little that narrows it down? <laughs> <laughs> you know, fair, but think about, like, um, one with, like, an animal in it. Seinfeldian about nothing, right? Okay, you know what? No, my first, my first thought, and I know that this is wrong, I was like, Monica Magica, and I went, no, no. <laughs> I'll give you one more try, one more try. <laughs> I, I, I'm coming out like a scrub on the first episode. No, I oh have no. no clue. I mean, the point is to describe it bad. Yeah, that's true. The, the joy is the reveal. Yeah. Seinfeldian. <laughs> oh my god. I have I have no earthly clue. You're going to have all to tell right, me. All right. Uh, Azumanga Daya. What? Yes. But it, okay, remember that little orange cat? Okay, yeah, but like he's not like a titular character or anything no, he, like that. Okay, maybe sidekick. Chio's dad. <laughs> maybe sidekick was okay. Haunting cute animal parents. Yeah. Would that have been? Would that have given it away? Oh, that would have totally given it away. Oh. <laughs> but like an anime about nothing. I mean, there's a bunch of four girls animes that are about anime about nothing. I mean, so Azumanga was the blueprint to like. Yes. And that's the thing, like, that's why I was racking my brain. I was like, is she trying to really get me with something that I wouldn't know? Oh, no, no, I was trying, you know, uh, that wasn't exactly, you know, like an easy pick. So that's it for this episode of The Shonen Protagonist. We will see you next time. If you are so inclined and you live in the Texas area, come see us at Anime Houston. That is August 6th through 8th. And our next episode will be dropping a little bit later, um, but after that, it will update weekly. Mm. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Please let us know any thoughts, questions, or comments. You can uh, find us on Twitter at the Shonen Pro, mm. and then on Instagram as the Shonen Pro Tag, and on Facebook as the Shonen Protagonist, or you can just email us directly at the Shonen Protagonist at gmail.com. We will reply maybe sometime and also if you do like this please rate and subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcast any platform if because you leave that's us our lifeblood yeah if you leave us a review uh we can actually do more of these and you can listen to us even more as exciting as that would be so please go ahead and do that if you are so inclined maybe Possibly. sometime so anyway, uh, 
our next episode after this is gonna be Hunter Hunter. I'm really Ooh, so excited. So, I'm so like out of my mind. I cannot. Hunter, Hunter. I can't wait. That is it for this episode. So we will see you next time. And until then, Ganbaru, everybody.